This is FM 100.5, 101.9, AM 1450, and WGNSRadio.com. Rutherford County's Place to Talk. Hip, hip, hooray, let's give a cheer. It's 9 a.m., the signal's clear. Our favorite host is in the chair. The Truman Show is on the air. It's The Truman Show with Truman Jones. A look at the politics, news, sports, and people that are shaping Rutherford County. The Truman Show is on the air. The Truman Show is on the air. Now from Adams Place on Memorial Boulevard, it's The Truman Show on News Radio WGNS. Here's Truman Jones. Good morning, Rutherford County. I have one of my favorite people on this morning, Bill Spurlock. And, uh, Bill, I can tell you right now, you know, I've gotten older and I, I, I get to kind of uh, enjoy life at, with, with all the negative things that come along with it. But if I had my choice of occupations right now, the one I would not choose... <laughs> is the superintendent of schools right now. Bless your heart. It, it, it seems like there uh, are bar- uh, barrages landing all over the place right now uh, w- with the education system, and you're fighting. Uh, you're the general fighting the, the, uh, the winning uh, uh, battle in, in my hopes that things are going to start turning around a little bit. Well, you know, that's what... Uh you know, that's what the position requires. Yeah. And one of the things you can't do is wear your emotions on your shirt sleeve. You know, I don't uh, take a lot of stock in social media and things of that nature. Um, you know, I, I, quite frankly, I'm a person that, uh, you know, if I have an issue, I go face-to-face with someone yeah. and we, we discuss it and work it out. Anything else of that is just, uh, you know, that's just noise in the wind. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, my, my responsibility is the safety of our students and our teachers and our staffs and our schools and making decisions that's based on all, not just a few. And uh, we also receive uh, a lot of feedback that we take to heart and we mm-hmm. use and we make uh, adjustments along the way. You know, I, I learned a long time ago that no one is perfect. And if you think you are, you might want to check yourself at the door. Well, we had one at one time. Oh, I He was I, the I, only I, one. That's the only one. You, the amen only one. to that. He was the only one. So, you know, I don't, like I said, I don't take that uh, personal. I do bleed for this county, you know, in terms of Rutherford County schools. I do believe in it. I believe in our public education here in Rutherford County. I believe in our staffs and our teachers and our schools and our administrators. And I want to make a difference uh, for, to them and give them the uh, what they need in order to uh, have uh, and present to our students a quality education every day. But as far as all that, you know, sometimes I'll have to admit I do feel like uh, uh, Custer. You know, it's about a little big horn. The only thing is, at times, my only my own cavalry is attacking me. So, but I, I get through that. It at does time. feel like that. It sometimes. does absolutely. But like I said, we've got the one good thing that I, I say is there is positive things that's going to come uh, soon in terms of uh, this this epidemic or excuse me pandemic. And I do believe that the there is a sunshine on the horizon, and we're going to get back to the way things were. And uh, it's just a, a few bumps along the way that we're going to experience, and, and I'm confident that things are going to go back to, to the way it is. And we've learned a lot from this, you know, and yeah. I think we're going to be able to be stronger 
uh, as a as a uh, as a group of people, as a group of educators, we're going to be much stronger. Isn't it important uh, from I, I try to listen to as much or, or read as much as I can when it uh, comes to education because the uh, education is always in a constant change, no matter where the virus is here or not. But um, one thing that, that I keep hearing is, and, and it's very important for our kids to be able to receive the education that they need to go forward and become successful as they become successful, then our country uh, also uh, uh, improves and goes along. But um, it's my understanding that kids in the classroom are much more successful there than they are with the virtual things that are, 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 are being happening right now. Yeah, I think we'd all agree with that. You know, there is a certain segment of our student population that can thrive on a uh, online virtual mm-hmm. uh, uh, platform. However, overall, we all know that being in the classroom, it's not just about receiving the d- direct instruction from the teacher, but it's also being around peers. You mm-hmm. know, a lot of times in the classroom, you know, there's a discussion takes place and, and there's a follow-up question to the discussion. And quite frankly, they're, you know, they learn a lot from their peers. Mm-hmm. So we do know that. And, and sometimes, you know, we are most at risk kids, uh, you know, uh, are uh, more impact, impacted by this online inst- online instruction than those that maybe uh, have uh, better opportunities than, than, than those kids. And, and that's one of the things we have to be very cognizant of. Mm-hmm. And, and sometimes that's a balancing act. You know, we do know that there's times in our school when we run into staffing issues due to uh, teachers being out and, and, and being able to cover those classes, and we do have to make those decisions. Those decisions aren't easy. We uh, balance the the safety with the quality of the instruction taking place Mm -hmm. with actually the the safety because we do have to have our classes covered. Uh, You know, it's difficult, just like any other profession, uh, to find substitutes. It's it's, it's difficult at times because some of those get caught up in what we call contact tracing where uh, they're around someone Mm -hmm. who has tested positive. And they have to stay out themselves. So uh, we have to make those decisions, you know. Uh, you know, we do know at this time that uh, that the virus is has an uptick, and, and we we I think everyone predicted this, mm-hmm. and um, you know, and we know how to mitigate the the spread of the virus, and it is social distancing, mm-hmm. washing your hands, you know, wearing a, a face covering. You know, but what what happens a lot of times when we first originally started at the beginning of the school year, we had a little over 20,000 students out of a pop, uh, enrollment population in our county of about 47,000 yeah. who were out on distance learning. So your campuses were not as, uh, you know, uh, was not as heavily populated th- yeah. that, they, that they are now. So when, after the first quarter, we had a, an influx of people coming back, and we, quite frankly, we needed them back, you know, because mm-hmm. uh, some were at risk. And then, of course, uh, we saw the increase of the spread of the virus, and that causes issues. The only way that we can mitigate the spread of the virus is to maintain those guidelines. You know, mm-hmm. social distancing is difficult if you are if your campus is full, let's be honest. Yeah. Uh, the other two things we can take care of. Now, what we will do going forward, we'll be developing a plan, uh, you know, in case we see what we're seeing now, we'll be developing a plan uh, that will help mitigate it. 
without having to uh, close the entire school district down to distance learning because mm -hmm. unfortunately we there are some things that uh, that we're not quite uh, you know pre uh, ready for and one of them is technology not every even though we have and we're continuing purchasing uh, uh, devices not everyone has uh, you know devices in their home so we're 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 getting there but we're just not quite there 100 percent also, throughout our county, the uh, the uh, broadband, uh, the Wi-Fi, if you will, mm -hmm. yeah. this challenge, you know, I mean, if you're in Eagleville uh, or Rockvale or some of the areas, you know, uh, you may not have access to that. So that's been a problem. We've purchased some hotspots and things of that nature, but it's still a challenge, you know. But just to get back to what you said about that, you know, one of the things I will say is we are learning a lot. Mm -hmm. uh, and I think, uh, and I know, quite frankly, when uh, this pandemic is over, and it's going to be over, I think there's a lot of things that we learned that are going to be very beneficial uh, to going forward. Yeah. Now, the, with the uh, uh, virus, uh, the serum uh, that is going to be combating the virus, um, there are a lot of groups that are put on the very front end. Uh, most, a lot of older people, people who have uh, 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 bad health, and, and uh, I think we had uh, one of those at, at one of the schools just mm -hmm. recently uh, had extremely bad health. And uh, how far back are the teachers as far as? You know, we want them in the classroom. We need them in the classroom. And actually, they have to be in the classroom for us to go forward. Uh, where, where are they in the pecking order? Yeah, of course, I think we all know that the uh, first responders, those that work with the COVID patients, the health uh, uh, people, the people in medical, uh, the EM, EMTs and things of that nature, they are on the front line. Yeah. They'll be the ones. And then we have the uh, elderly. They'll be on the uh, second. And then mm -hmm. uh, th uh, we'll go on down to the to the educators, mm -hmm. you know. And, and I don't know how long that will be, but uh, I don't think it'll be uh, a long time. And, of course, that will be an option for them. They don't have to, uh, but that will be an option made uh, for them. So, I, you know, I anticipate them probably sometime in early spring, mm -hmm. maybe that, that being an, an option. Uh, but we'll have to see going forward. I do think that the speed in which we've uh, brought this vaccine out is, mm -hmm. is uh, you know, it's 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 a precedence. I don't yeah. I don't I think can't, can't remember in, in my lifetime something being uh, brought out that quickly. Now, with that being an option, it, it kind of sets up a question for me because um, a number of uh, teachers have have had a fear of coming back in into the classroom and being around the kids and and things like that. Um, and, and I know you can't make them get the shot, uh, which uh, that that's something I don't understand. Where do they stand when it comes? Say if if um, everything goes back full force in, inside the classroom and some of the teachers don't show up because they still have the fear of getting the virus. It looks like um, it, in, in some ways that shouldn't even be an option as far as 
is is that type of attitude you know we in the very beginning we uh we accommodated we did look at accommodations for those that are at risk mm -hmm. and, and there's and i've looked through several of the plans here just here recently and, and uh what's reasonable and is under uh the ada mm -hmm. and uh we we do that and, and i do get the uh the fear for those that have underlying health conditions we have had uh teachers that have been tested positive yeah. and, and we still have them test positive uh, it's unfortunate sometimes the some that have underlying health conditions, and, and that's including uh, a good friend of mine. I won't mention his name on air, but uh, who who was a, one of our bus drivers, and uh, you know I'd known him for a long time. A great man. I can't say enough good things about him. He was in there, uh, one of our bus drivers, mm -hmm. and uh, he he actually contracted it. Now, unfortunately. Uh, you know, uh, he passed away. Yeah. Uh, there were underlying health conditions, but that, you know, COVID did have an impact on it. But as far as the part you're referencing, we, you know, in the very beginning of the school year, we did reach out and identified all of our teachers that have underlying health conditions. And mm -hmm. we, there were some options where we uh, made accommodations according to, you know, protocol. Yeah. And uh, and that's what we will continue to do. You know, we uh, we don't want anyone uh, health at risk. Uh, we do know the virus is very contagious, and we know, mm -hmm. and quite frankly, I can't tell you how many, including yourself. Yeah, actually, I, <laughs> I got it. I got it at at, at, at Eagleville when they had graduation right. there, and, and back then, you know, it, it was uh, you didn't really have that much knowledge right. about it, and we went to a couple of parties later on the next couple of days, and uh, and. To be perfectly honest with you, I never had the symptoms, but I was going absolutely crazy having to be quarantined. And, and to me, that, of course, I don't have the health issues that a lot of these people had, but it it, uh, it, it was worse than, than what people talked about the virus because uh, mental conditions can be just as serious as, as as the physical conditions. You know, that's one of the things we've actually, you know, seen with our students that yeah. have been out. You know, it, it is a challenge because they, yeah. they miss that interaction daily with, with their peers and yeah. also with their teachers. But, you know, I get back to the virus. I've, you know, I, I can't tell you how many uh, friends and, and acquaintances that I know that has actually had it. And it's been different in each one of them. Mm -hmm. And it's, it's been just different, you know. And, and I, of course, I'm not a, uh, an epidemiologist or a doctor or anything like that. But, it, you know, obviously it impacts you uh, according to conditions of, of, your, of your health mm -hmm. and things of that nature. And uh, we got to be very vigilant in terms of providing that ability to mitigate uh, the virus in our schools. Uh, and, and by that, we do that by social distancing as much as possible. And by, you know, uh, washing the hands, you know, doing, wearing the mask and things of that nature. But one of the things I keep going back to, the virus is no different than the church. Uh, it, I mean, excuse me, the, uh, the school is no different than the church yeah. in terms of the virus or any other building. It's not that it generates in that building. It's brought into that building. Yeah. You know, we do things that try to mitigate it. But one thing we do know about. Uh, students, young people, if you will, mm -hmm. many of them that get it are asymptomatic. Yeah. So, so sometimes it, it doesn't manifest itself with symptoms, and it can it can be uh, inadvertently spread. You mm -hmm. know, and and we've had that. But I'd also, uh, you know, even with our distance learners, this is something that was kind of I knew this, but I, I wanted to make sure because uh, we track all this. 
we have had over a hundred and something distance learners, people who uh, young people who have not been in our buildings that have actually, um, you know, contracted the virus. Yeah. So what I'm saying is, it's not the building per se. Uh, obviously, if the building is at capacity, then you're going to have some issues. Yeah. Uh, but it's not the building per se that's it's creating. It's not the genesis of the virus. It's what's being brought into or what you're going around that uh, that may, uh, you know, big crowds, things of that nature that may, uh, may end up having you contract the virus. So it's mm-hmm. kind of all out there. There's a lot of misnomers in terms that... Uh, it's the school, you know, that's, you know, but, but like I said, we had distance learners. I mean, mm-hmm. I'm talking about students who have not been in the building that have contracted the virus. So yeah. we know that that's what, you know, that's what that is. is. Is each school different? We have a large amount of schools here in Rutherford County. And bless your heart, you, you have responsibility in everyone. But the principal has a lot of responsibility responsibility as far as how they run their school do you have meetings periodically with those principals and in in the feedback that you're getting from them does that help you a lot in making your decisions because there have been a few schools that have been closed because of the virus absolutely we depend on our principals they do a, a fantastic job uh they have someone in their building that, and normally it's their nurse that tracks the data yeah uh, that goes through my office to uh, our, our, our our pio who informs me mm-hmm. and then, then we go from there and make a determination based on those metrics and go from there you know yeah. a lot of times it comes down to simple something as simple as this staffing if I can't get enough teachers in the classroom or substitutes, then I cannot uh, allow that school to stay open, uh, you know, uh, with everyone there without supervision. So I have to make those decisions, too. Um, it's been a challenge. I mean, it's mm-hmm. like, uh, and, and, but, you know, one of the things uh, we have uh, about every week, we have an online meeting with our principals and we're, and we're talking to them and they're providing us information and things of that nature. But I also have... Uh, every week I have a conversation with a, uh, with directors of schools mm-hmm. in a certain, what we call the Mid-Cumberland region. Yeah. And, and one of the things that comes out of it, you know, that kind of gives me hope is that everyone's facing the same challenges. Yeah. You know, and, and we're, we, we bounce ideas off of one another, what's worked, uh, what hasn't worked, what will work in your district that may not work in their district and so forth and so on. So that's been a, that's been very beneficial. If nothing else, that's beneficial for mental health purposes. Well, you look at the schools, and, and like you were mentioning earlier, uh, a lot of them that are, are home and whatever are doing their, their Zooms or, or however you're doing it now, um, maybe their homes are not as... as uh, clean as maybe what's going on in the school system i know that you guys are really working hard to make sure that that disease wherever it may be in the schools that it it, it's been controlled and then you have the nurse that's there It, it seems like the school itself may be the safest place for them to be no matter how many people of course social distancing they talk about social distancing and they talk about the mask and all the things that are going on, you follow the, all of those guidelines while they're there at school. 
And uh, uh, is there any logic to the whole thing when you get right down to it? I think we'd all agree that uh, they are safer in schools. I think one of the things, and I think it has a lot to do with, you know, the age of the child. Mm -hmm. You know, we know that younger children uh, uh, do not contract it as much. And I think, I don't know the, uh, the, 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 the medical issue with air or, or reasons there, but I do think that the behaviors, and when I say behaviors, a teenager is not going to stay held up in a house, okay? Yeah. Very few are going to stay. Now, I, I get it. Some of them stay on that, uh, you know, uh, computer and stuff like that, but yeah. not as many as you think. They're they're social animals. Mm-hmm. They want to get out and, and, and do things. And I think the more people you go around, the more people you engage with, you know, uh, and whether you're in school or you're out of school, Mm -hmm. uh, you have more of an opportunity to contract the virus, you know. And I think that's probably got a lot to do with it. You know, it's uh, I've never seen a teenager that wanted to just stay in the house 24-7. You know, if if you got one there, you you probably need to talk to them, have a long talk with them. Do do you think? The the school. The, let's go to the children. Mm-hmm. The children are not as likely to have any major problems with that disease. That's correct. It, it's almost impossible. I mean, of course, they're a lot tougher than we are. And, and, and it, it goes back to the teachers. Maybe they will be a little bit more likely to have uh, other problems rather than the children. Um, but then again, when you look at it, the pupils or the students, they have to have that teacher in the classroom simply because uh, they need that guidance. Uh, a lot of times, you know, their minds are, are going to be wandering off in other places and whatever, and they need the teacher to keep their attention going to whatever subject that they're teaching at the time. And, and it becomes a difficult, very difficult thing. And um, every place, I don't care where it, it's a uh, business or whatever, uh, they can't function unless they were, unless they're there and and in control of whatever uh, business that they have. And and I, I guess in some ways. Uh, education is a business because how in the world can our country function with all without all of those bright minds that we're going to have leading this country one day in uh, 30 40 years from now those students are going to look back at what happened and how we were able to get through this particular pandemic and it's going to make a big impact on this country for many many decades and uh you guys are the ones that we're dependent upon. But you talk about a lot of responsibility. It's unbelievable. Well, you know, you're absolutely correct. I think uh, what we learn, what we experience, what we gain in knowledge will have a, a tremendous impact on. Mm-hmm. Also, I think, you know, one of the things we do know that not every child is is geared to learn all online. Yeah. I do think it's going to be a tool in the future that's going to be greatly beneficial to us. I hope we're not going to depend on that a whole lot in the in the future. I, I, I you know, this is this is someone who's been in over 35, 36 years. Yeah. 
I don't know that you can ever replace a teacher. Yeah, I don't you, think so. I, I don't think so. I think yeah. that one-to-one interaction, uh, that engagement, uh, that that connection, uh, I don't think you can replace that. I think our teachers are like, you know, I always say the backbone of our country, quite mm-hmm. frankly, because they're going to produce citizens that are going to be equipped to go out into the world, uh, make a living, uh, be civil responsible, and, and go on and, and duplicate that. Some of them will be, you know, end up being what, you know, I can't tell you how many students that I have uh, taught over the years that were doctors or lawyers or, or, or successful business people or someone who has a steady job and has a family that they take care of daily. I mean, that's, the, that's what we do. We, we uh, help them facilitate learning, but we mm-hmm. also help them become adults, you know, along the way. Now, we're not exactly the parent, quite frankly, because, you know, one of the things I, I believe in wholeheartedly is values start at home. Mm-hmm. We have never held students responsible. We've always held them accountable. Mm-hmm. You know, in the old days, uh, you know, when, when in the 50s and in the early 60s and so forth and so on, when a child went home with homework, you know, it wasn't that they were worrying about that teacher, what the teacher was going to say. It was what mom and dad oh, expected, yeah. Yeah. you know, and that's where we've gotten away from it. You know, teachers will never replace the home. Uh, they can be support, and sometimes, quite frankly, in today's world, we do have to be, become a parent almost. Yeah. But our, ultimately, it, it's our responsibility to educate our students. Mm-hmm. And along the way, not only educate them, but prepare them for that next step in life. You know, whether it's from elementary school over to middle school, middle school to high school, high school to, to wherever, college or tech school or to the workforce. Yeah. You know, either way, we've got to continue doing that, using that platform that we've been given. And that platform is as a public servant. We are in a, uh, a service industry. We're yeah. provi- you know, we are, we are uh, funded through our local government, and our state government, and some of the federal government. Very small percentage when you look over overall, but we're funded that way. So we are responsible. We, we're no different uh, you know, than any governmental entity. We are responsible for what we provide. You know, it, it's harder and harder to get uh, young, bright people to, to go to a university so that they become an educator. It's, it's, it's extremely hard. And I know that when I was going to school, I'm, I'm quite a bit older than you, uh, I'm, bl- believe it or not. No, just a few years. Right? Yeah. <laughs> but I, I grew up in a time where teachers, that was their whole life. And many of them um, never got married, but all the kids that were in their classroom that was their children. That was their family. And it, it made a big difference in, in the attitude on how they treated each one. And they followed those kids from from the time that they left the schools all the way till they became successful in business and actually would write. I, I had teachers that would write letters to me 
many, many years after I was out of school. And it, it really meant a lot to me because they were the ones, outside of my parents, they were the ones that I wanted to please more than anybody else because they took so much time with me. And uh, it, it, it was like uh, they they would hug us before we'd leave. And I'll guarantee you most of those teachers remembered every student that was in their classroom over a 30, 40-year period. It, it was unbelievable and I was just wondering how those particular teachers would react in today's world as far as what's going on. You know, I'll, I'll start with the uh, first part about uh, the, the teaching profession. You know, yeah. I believe, and this is just my own personal opinion, I have the right to be wrong. I think it's a calling. Yeah. Uh, you know, I, I agree. I, I, don't, I think it's a calling. Just and like law enforcement absolutely. and all those. Absolutely. Purposes. I yeah. think it's a calling. And we still have teachers like that. Yeah. You know, we, and, and it's just it's changed in terms of, of, uh, of what it looks like. But we still mm-hmm. have those. But I agree with you. That it's that relationships that they develop with their kids. Yeah. You know, we have elementary school. You know, I was looking at this just the other day uh, on social media, on Twitter. Mm-hmm. Uh, Oakland High School won. I don't know if you heard this or not, but Oakland High School won a football state championship. Uh, I have ordered my shirt. <laughs> Kevin, Kevin, who is a great, great coach, Kevin Creasy, he brought all of his stuff. Uh-huh. I did not realize that all what they went through to win that state championship, mm-hmm. uh, those rings that they get uh, have to be bought through the schools. Mm-hmm. Now, I thought that they... I may be wrong, but I, I you thought believe the Tito's were late. Uh, they should, yeah, they, they, they should be yeah. uh, given. No, they have to raise money for it. But I get back to that. You know, um, I saw a, a teacher in elementary school congratulating some of those seniors on that football team. I remember you, you remember when we were you. I remember you when you were in uh, kindergarten, and I mm-hmm. knew you were going to be successful. Yeah, and, you know that. So they'd had that relationship, and I followed your career along the way. See, mm-hmm. that's that's pretty special stuff, right oh, there. Gosh, you know, yes. you know, it means a whole lot, and, and and that's what it's all about, right there. It's it's that's like the president giving a medal of honor. To absolutely, somebody. absolutely, and and in those in those uh, those uh, kids coming back, you know, to mm-hmm. their to to their teacher. So that's that's the the, the, the you know that's the intrinsic stuff that you get as an educator mm-hmm. you're never going to be a rich as an educator if you are we need to check you and have you audited because there's something wrong going on there yeah but uh you know one of the things is there is that in, intrinsic stuff and that value of giving back mm-hmm. and and that's what we want you know and and it is getting more difficult and and i'm not so sure you know a lot of people will blame it on uh the outside attacking the profession and, and mm-hmm. things of that nature but you know what I have, and, and I hate to say this, but you know what I have found that's more uh, negative? It's teachers, some of those teachers, not all, who have retired hmm. and have bad things to say about the profession. Now, why, why would that happen? You know, I don't, I, I, thank goodness it's not many of them. But I don't know if they left on a bitter note. I don't know if it was maybe they. I really don't have an answer to that. But I do know this: that nothing can turn someone off on a profession than looking at someone who has been in that profession talking negative about it. Do you don't you feel like with the social media and everything else is going on, negativism has really risen? In, in the last 
20, 30 years. It, it seems like that uh, nobody wants to talk about anything positive anymore. It's just like the news media is. I, I would have to agree with that, but I'm also going to throw something in there, and, and I don't want to be flipping about it, but I think it's lowered our IQ. You know, we don't. We have an unfiltered tone. Gosh, I hope mine's not lowered much well, more well, than what, I, what it is already. <laughs> I hear, but we have on social media, we have this unfiltered tongue. Mm-hmm. We say things that we don't understand the repercussions of it. Yeah. We we do things. We 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 post things. You know, and and, and that's not the way it used to be. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I don't know it, it, the social interaction of working with conflict with working with success, with working with challenges. Mm-hmm. You know, one of the things I, l- I learned a long time ago, experience of failure will make you much stronger than s- someone telling you how great you are. Yeah. Well, you know, years ago, it hadn't, we're really not that long ago. In fact, she was a uh, uh, one of the people who owned a condo over here, Ms. Black, was one of the best teachers that, that they ever had at Central High School many, many years ago. And uh, I, I, I decided I wanted to have her on my radio show, and, and, and that was John Bragg's sister. So uh, we're going to have to take a break, but let me finish this out, guys. I know you're waiting on me. But uh, uh, she decided she wanted to be on the show. And we had the best hour that you can imagine and bless her heart, uh, I, I just absolutely loved her death. She remembered everybody that was ever in her classroom, and she w- would respond to me with things that nobody could remember that far back except a teacher. It, it, students make a big impact on every teacher that they have. We're going to take a quick break, and we'll be right back with Bill Spurlock. From NHC's Adams Place, Home of Premier Senior Living on Memorial Boulevard. It's the Truman Show on News Radio WGNS, FM 100.5 and 101.9, AM 1450, and streaming at WGNSRadio.com. Adams Place is founded by Dr. Carl E. Adams, a physician and lifelong resident of Middle Tennessee. He and Jenny May had a dream of building a campus concept of life care facilities for older adults. Adams Place Residential Living Director Terry Deal. Discover that senior living is fun. Call us at Adams Place and arrange a tour today. Adams Place is at 1927 Memorial Boulevard. It's a slick pig barbecue. Spicy wings and Brunswick stew Everything made fresh for you At the Slick Pig Barbecue There's lean smoked turkey and chicken too Ribs so tender don't need to chew Well come on folks, I'm telling you It's the Slick Pig Barbecue In 1920 East Main, you're gonna love the pig The Slick Pig Barbecue, a Murfreesboro tradition How are you feeling today? More than an empty question, it's a real reminder to reach out to coworkers, friends, family, and neighbors. Remind them to get the care they need. Someone you know may be delaying important emergency care, chronic care, or emotional care. At Ascension St. Thomas, appointments are available now with strict precautions in place for your safety and our care. Ask about virtual visits. ERs at Ascension St. Thomas Hospitals are open 24-7. Get the care you need at GetSTHealthCare.com. Now an update from the WGNSRadio.com News Center. 
I'm Ron Jordan. The Tennessee Bureau of Investigation says they seized more than 1,000 fentanyl-laced pills during a raid in Rutherford County. According to a bulletin released Tuesday, an undercover investigation by the TBI's Opioid Task Force led to the bust and an arrest over the weekend. Officials say they trace a series of overdose deaths to a dealer named Giovanni Lovano, who was found in possession of around 1,100 pills laced with fentanyl. Lovano was now being held at the Rutherford County Jail on a $125,000 bond. Tennessee's First Lady Maria Lee is releasing a virtual tour of Christmas at the Tennessee residence. The Christmas Through the Years tour highlights decor throughout the historic home, inspired by decorations and traditions of Christmas's past, present, and future. There are also ornaments created by artists in each of Tennessee's 95 counties. Murfreesboro City Schools have transitioned to asynchronous learning days and will remain on the new schedule through Friday. Asynchronous learning means that instruction does not have to occur at the same time and allows parents and students flexibility in the school day. Student attendance will be taken daily by class dojo or another form of teacher communication. The Murfreesboro Extended School Program will remain open from 6 a.m. through 6 p.m. every day. The decision was made due to the rising numbers of COVID quarantines in the district. Murfreesboro City Schools will be closed for winter break on Monday, December 21st through Friday, January 1st. Teachers return to class on Monday, January 4th, and students return Tuesday, January 5th. News on demand 24-7 from our website, WGNSRadio.com. And when news breaks, we tweet it at WGNS Radio. I'm Ron Jordan reporting. News updates around the clock, when it breaks, and on demand at WGNSRadio.com. We are News Radio WGNS. At Heritage South Community Credit Union, we help when others won't. It's what our members tell us we do every day. Whether it's a loan for a car you need to get to work or saving for the future, let us see if we can help. If you live, work, worship, or attend school in Rutherford, Bedford, or Marshall Counties, you can be a member of Heritage South. Visit our website, HeritageSouth.org, to learn more. Insured by NCUA, Equal Housing Lender. Bud's Tire Pros makes buying tires simpler, so you can get back to when being on the move was carefree. For a limited time, get up to a $120 reward card after submission when you bundle at least two new qualifying Michelin or BF Goodrich passenger or light truck tires, as well as select Michelin motorcycle, scooter, and bicycle tires. Or get a $120 reward card per purchase of four new Michelin Cross Climate 2 tires. Bud's Tire Pros, hassle-free, guaranteed. Find out more at BudsTireProsTN.com. See store for complete details. Offers valid from November 18th, 2020 through December 9th, 2020. Void where prohibited. Listen live to WGNS Radio on our website, and Alexa, or Google devices. Search WGNS Radio for on-demand podcasts in iTunes, Google Play, Spotify, and Stitcher. Plus, we have direct links to podcasts at WGNSRadio.com. Good neighbor weather. A few scattered rain showers here early this afternoon with cloudy skies and temperatures holding rather steady. Winds out of the northwest around 5 to 10 miles per hour. I'm meteorologist Jennifer Wojcicki on News Radio WGNS. Currently, it's 42. Premier Six Theater is open. They're excited to see you again and will be showing some classic movies you'll be sure to enjoy. Check MurfreesboroMovies.com for showtimes for Premier Six Theater. They're now open. From NHC's Adams Place, home of Premier Senior Living on Memorial Boulevard, it's The Truman Show on News Radio WGNS. FM 100.5 and 101.9, AM 1450, and streaming at WGNSRadio.com. 
And welcome back with Bill Spurlock, our uh, county school superintendent. And um, when I think about the the superintendent's office, I think of Joyce Michaels. What a wonderful lady uh, she had been all these years. And uh, I I, I wish she would come back because she kind of uh, gave a, a, a great spirit to to the education process, didn't she? Everybody loved Joyce. I can't begin to tell you how important she is to it, to that not only that office but yeah. to our school system. Uh, she always has a kind word. Mm-hmm. Uh, she has a uh, calm demeanor. She has a way of putting people at ease. She has a way of engaging you in conversation. I mean, anything that I, that I, I couldn't. I could start right now, and probably we go into this weekend before I could tell you all the great things that she does. Mm-hmm. And she has done for the school system. Over the years, it's amazing the many uh, uh, superintendents of schools she's worked for, the many boards that she's worked for. Mm-hmm. But every time, you know, one of the things I saw very early uh, in my tenure over at the central office is that I would come in uh, maybe from a meeting, and I, and I would see someone sitting in a chair by her. And I always said they were getting counseling from Miss Joyce, yeah. you know, because she has that way, that life experience, you know, the growing up here in Rutherford County, having, uh, you know, family that were engaged in many different facets in Rutherford County. Uh, you know, it provided uh, really an outlook on everything, including schools, you yeah. know, and you won't you won't find a person in our district that doesn't miss her not being there. And we, I spoke to her the day, you know, and, and she was very encouraging, uh, always sweet, you know, mm-hmm. always telling you, uh, you know, how much she missed everyone. And we look for that day that m- perhaps maybe she can come back, you know. We, oh, I hope so. Yeah, we absolutely do. I know when when, when you were first appointed, mm-hmm. uh, I went over to uh, support you and and uh, Terry, and it, she saw me out of the corner of her eye, and it had been I don't know, four or five years at least since I had seen Joyce. And uh, she came running over and hugged me. She never forgets anybody. And uh, I, I, I wish everybody had that spirit of love and, and, and respect. It, it would make this world a whole lot better. Oh, I, I, I tell you, you know, that's that's the thing that we all are missing, you yeah. know, that kind of thing. Her day was never – her day's never a day where she's thinking about herself She's always thinking about things that she can do and help other people. And that, that kind of spirit is, is contagious. And, yeah. and I would hope that it would spread on many other different people. Now, every once in a while, you have to appoint a principal. Mm-hmm. And uh, the big question I've always had for, for I know it was very hard for me to uh, uh, promote people because I had so many really great people that could have step into the into that process but um what are you looking for when you uh just like a, a principal is pretty much king of his kingdom right there and um what are you looking for when you you put somebody in that position well let me get, go walk you through the process first we mm-hmm. do, do have like an application process people apply mm-hmm. our hr and our um uh, assistant superintendent of in, uh, curriculum instruction go through the the resumes look mm-hmm. and, and identify those that uh, they uh, look for with uh, with with certain uh, metrics mm-hmm. uh these people come in they interview through before a panel mm-hmm. and they rank them 
and they, they rank them, uh, you know, if there's five candidates, they rank them one through five, and then they submit the top two candidates' names to me. Mm-hmm. I may go back and look at it very seldom. I can't think of a time that I've looked at their two um, uh, recommendations and turned them down. So then I interview the two. And, and, and in that interview process, they've already gone through and they've looked at the instructional uh, component of their uh, knowledge on instruction, their knowledge on, on school accountability, and thing of, uh, things of that nature. I kind of look for a person who is a problem solver. Yeah. Because leaders are problem solvers. You know, it may not be a, a answer, a solution that everybody likes, but it's a solution that uh, gets the job done. Yeah. It's a solution that meets the needs of, of the majority. You know, I can't think of a time that I've ever made a decision that everyone liked. And and quite frankly, it'll never happen. It'll never happen. And you know what? And and, and I know sometimes as a leader, you're going, and this is just part of the process. You're going to be criticized. You're going to be, you know, you're going to be called everything uh, under the sun. But that's not why you make that decision. If you use emotions to make a decision, you're going to make a decision haphazardly. Mm-hmm. And you've got to use, uh, you know, your background knowledge, uh, your experiences in life. Uh, you, you've got to look forward thinking instead of backwards. Mm-hmm. And uh, that's what I'm looking for, you know. And quite frankly, a lot of times I've had instructional leaders that are just phenomenal. Yeah. They know the instruction component inside and out. However, uh, when it comes to that forward thinking, when it comes to problem solving uh, and decision making, uh, they needed to grow more in that area. So yeah. uh, that's that's primarily what I'm, I'm looking for. It's an extremely tough job at that position also because you have to know all the rules of engagement. And I know that the school resource officers, uh, they deal with some of the really bad problem kids, but you're pretty much controlled by how you deal with those kids. And that has to be extremely uh, difficult because there's there's kids in our schools and all the way across the nation that absolutely could be a danger to the particular school and to society. You have them, you know, they will, uh, kids will go up and say something like, uh, I'm going to get you and I'm going to take care of you and all those things that, um, you know, that may or may not be uh, an accurate judge of what they're really uh, wanting to do. I mean, we've seen it happen, and all the and most of the school resource officers are trained to deal with those. And I know the teachers and the principals are all t- trained to deal with those kids that have very complicated minds, and you don't really, uh, um, in some respects, get a um, a real feel of what they what is really in their mind. And, and we've seen it happen uh, down in Florida and, and in a number of other places. But that has to be one of the more complicated issues because you're not given the freedom to deal with those kids like they should be uh, uh, taken care of. And you have to deal with the parents and all the other issues that, that come in place. Uh, 
is there any way that is there any group uh, uh, of superintendents and all of those working together that can bring this to a point of where you have a, an immediate way of dealing with those kind of uh, children that could be very dangerous to the school itself? Yeah, we do have, uh, you know, we have social workers in our in our system. We also yeah. have a behavior specialist and things of that nature. But, you know, getting back to what you said, you know, the the uh, evolution of student behavior. Yeah. You know, one of the things I will say to you, and I've always said this to anyone who's asked me the question about, you know, we have safe schools today, but our schools are different today now. Mm-hmm. But I want you to know that schools are like a mirror. And what does a mirror do? It reflects an image. Yeah. It schools, the reflection of schools is a mirror image of what's going on in society. Yeah. And, it, and it's unfortunate because, you know, we, we, we have a lot of tasks ahead of us. Mm-hmm. We have to educate our kids. We've got to teach them to be responsible. And we also it sometimes have to be a, a parent to our kids. You know, that's just the, the cold hard facts. Yeah. You know, the, the best way that we can, uh, you know, can uh, provide a, a continued safe school environment is as a, as a nation, as a whole, get in, get a grip on this mental health issues. You mm-hmm. know, uh, unfortunately, you know, we, 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 we can talk about, well, their parents should do X, Y, and Z. Sometimes they don't have parents. Yeah. Sometimes, or the parents are scared to death well, of them. Well, I was going to say this too. Sometimes yeah. parents are the problem. Yeah. You know, I mean, quite frankly, sometimes they are the problem. I think what we're doing now, this is a time. It's a critical time in public education. We have to, uh, you know, we have to provide our teachers and our students with a safe, orderly environment. We've got our SROs in the building, but it's not mm-hmm. just that. We need, we need mental health counselors. Yeah. You know, unfortunately, in, in this day and time, like I said, it's a reflection of society. And we've got to have someone who can make a connection uh, to our to our kids. You know, I met one of our state legislators yesterday, and we started talking about social workers and how they're funded. You know, mm-hmm. and under the uh, the what we call the basic educu- education plan in Tennessee, uh, one to two thousand students a social worker is funded mm-hmm. uh, by the state. So that's obviously a little issue there. Uh, but also, we've got to make connections uh, in, in our in our local community. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, un- unfortunately, you've been in law enforcement. You've seen the juvenile justice system. Yeah. Uh, I mean, I think uh, you know we talked about this a little bit yesterday. If we don't invest on the front end, we will pay on the back end. Yeah. Last time I checked, your your jails are not getting less crowded. They're getting more crowded. Prisons are not going away. There have been more prisons built. So we've got to invest not just in high school. We've got to start at that early age. Mm-hmm. We've got to give some of these kids that come to us that are at risk, we've got to provide a plan and a vision of how they can break the cycle that, that, that's taking place. We've, we've changed from the Aussie and Harriet days you know, and we're in, we're David a, and Ricky. Yeah, David. There you go. We're in a we're in a mess. You know? Yeah, mm-hmm. it, and, and we are. And, and it, it seems like that we are will always be weak when it comes to punishing the kids. It, we've gotten so far away from that that uh, um, it, it just seems that it, it flows in a continuous way of 
just letting them do what in the heck they want to do. I mean, and of course, you're right. That that comes from the home, and 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 it comes from some of the areas that that they may live in. But um, we 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 put our our responsibilities in the hands of of educators, don't we? And, and a lot of times. It puts them in jeopardy. You know, it, it really has. You know, uh, the role of the teacher has really become uh, all various. They're, they're the counselor. They're yeah. obviously the, the instructor. They're the timekeeper. They're the, uh, you know, motivator. They're the coach. They're the parent. You name mm-hmm. it. And uh, unfortunately, you know, the, you, you, you stretch them thin there doing yeah. that thing. So, so I think we've got to do it early. I, I really find that the kids usually uh, manifest behavioral problems early mm-hmm. on, and we've got to do some things there because it's it's like you know. And I've been in this uh, uh, this business long enough. I know that there comes a point in time, a tipping point, when, and and I'm not I'm not sure it's not even in in, in law enforcement when a uh, when a person is so far gone. That you can't ever get them back. Yeah. You know that person that's is frequent flyer in prison out. You know out and about. Mm-hmm. You know I'll I'll tell a personal story here. Uh, back in March of last year, uh, my my uh, you know I, I'm I, I'm a um, you know a carrier permit uh, with with weapon. And I had a, a, a pistol broken into my car, you know, in my driveway, mm-hmm. and I had a pistol stolen. Mm-mm. So anyway, uh, you know, they put out the thing and found out, you know, someone who had it, the the young man who had it, who who, per, who so supposedly purchased it. Yeah. And this was so. So I got in contact. I was going to go get my pistol back, and well, they still had to go to court. So court was delayed and so forth and so on. So, so I, you know, I looked up the, the, the individual who stole my pistol. And, and they were from the Nashville area. And uh, th- that was not the first pistol, they had, the weapon they had stolen. Mm-hmm. That was not the first um, time they'd been, uh, you know, brought to court. But everything was dismissed, dismissed. Of course. And all that. So my, my point being is, from the time this kid, which is a young adult now, was in their teens, and up until this point in time, they had repeated those same things over and over again, and apparently nothing had changed. So, so that's kind of like what I'm talking about. There is an example in, in schools. We have to provide that. In, that intervention early on. Mm-hmm. Now, what is keeping us from doing it? Well, we don't have the capacity. We don't have the personnel. You know, yeah. uh, uh, we don't act. Quite frankly, we don't have the funding for that. You know? Yeah. You know, the idle mind is the devil's workshop. Mm-hmm. We've all heard that. But I, I believe, and and you and I have had a number of conversations on this. A lot of kids uh, don't benefit. From overschooling, and, and we're talking about kids whose minds are in a different area, and and, it, and if if they if they're uh, wasting their time in chemistry, and I think chemistry is is you have to take that now, mm-hmm. and and that is something that maybe just they're they're totally lost taking some of those subjects, but where their minds are uh, really built for. Is they they maybe uh, they would be more 
likely to be successful in electronics and and all of those other things where they can go into a small business and and become very very successful and we need those type of people in our communities that we rely on with the special gifts that some of us don't have i know i don't and and uh we're are we going more toward that trend or how in the world are we going to break away from what some of the things that we're doing now that are just um, not going to be the the proper way of dealing with some of these students ain't it great that we do have electricians and yeah. plumbers and yes. welders and stuff like that yeah and people build car Cars, engines and, absolutely yeah you know i'll be honest with you we are uh probably not as quick as we would like yeah but we are uh, we are, and, and it goes back to you know discovering what your aptitude is. You mm-hmm. know what what do you have strengths? You know, yeah. and having them discover that. Now we're doing some things. That, you know, I think I've mentioned this many times. We're we're giving them a little aptitude assessment and, yeah. and, and identify what their strengths are. And I think uh, you know when we when you look at our mission statement, mm-hmm. empowering today's students to grasp tomorrow's opportunities. Mm-hmm. And I've mentioned it to you. Your opportunities. Truman may be different from my opportunities. Oh yeah, you know you've got a lot more. You're, well, you have a broader perspective. On I those don't know about things. that, but I'm, what I'm saying is your, op, you know, your opportunities. We should provide you those opportunities. Yeah, you know, and, and not try to pigeonhole you in an area that that you may or may not want. Are to. you able to do it? Though? Well, you know what, we're we're, we're we, we think we're in the process. Yeah, we do. What we're what we're trying to do is is give options. Mm-hmm. You know, when when I, I've mentioned this many times, and I'll continue to say it uh, until the day I draw my last breath. You know, we talk about uh, college and career ready. Mm-hmm. College and career ready. When you think of college, probably we mostly equate it to a four year university. Yeah. Okay. Sometimes it's a two year community college. Mm-hmm. To me, sometimes it may be a technical school. Yeah. It might be the military, you know, because, mm-hmm. you know, my brother went through the Marine Corps back during the Vietnam War. Bless he, his heart. He, uh, he, he acquired a, a, a skill set that, that they identified was, you know, they give him that ASVAB test. Mm-hmm. You know, he, he was a, a 20-year Marine. He retired from Marine Corps. He went in the FAA, retired from that, and now he's retired. Okay, completely. Mm-hmm. But uh, my great point, benefits too. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. But my point being is, the military provided him a pathway mm-hmm. to grasp tomorrow's opportunities. Yeah. You see, so it's different from everyone. It's it's different. But if they're pigeonholed into having to take everybody mm-hmm. having to take right. particular subjects mm-hmm. before they can graduate from high school. Uh, they're not benefiting from that. Well, you know, one of the things that we're, we're working on yeah. is, is is our career and technical education mm-hmm. programs. Now, you know, we're going to always need auto mechanics. Yeah. I don't know how you can get around that. I think we're always going to need welders. You know, I, I get mm-hmm. it. You've got those machines that spot well, but, you know, you got to have a welder, too. Yeah. And I think you, we're always going to need construction people, people uh, build things. You know, uh, I get it. There's prefab buildings, but you know what? Uh, it, it's not It's not going to go away. Yeah. Electricians, we're going with plumbers. We're going to always need those. But we're also going to need those that can do those high-skilled things, mm-hmm. you know, because I say – uh, whether you go to a four-year university, whether you go to a two-year community college or, or technical school, 
that area is a finite amount of time. But what mm. about a career? Yeah. You know, I'm getting ready to complete my 36 year in education. A career is a lifetime. So that some, means you're over 60 years. I old. am just a little bit, but that's okay. <laughs> but uh, a career is a lifetime. Mm. Okay. And that's where we've got to get back. You know, there's one, I think uh, recently there's $1.7 trillion of student debt in the United mm-hmm. States. Yeah. That's a lot of money. That's yeah. a lot it of money. It is ridiculous. It is ridiculous. But, you know, a lot of that was from kids going to college not knowing what they were going to major in. Yeah. Or maybe when they got in college, maybe they changed their majors two or three times. Mm-hmm. And let's talk about this, too. The price of college is pretty expensive now, too. Now, too not, expensive. Uh, I would have to agree with that, too. Yeah. Uh, so my point being is, you know, we may be the little pebble that just hit a, hit, hit the pond and the, and the ripple effects hadn't taken place yet, mm-hmm. but we want to start there. We want to start with that, trying to provide a vision for our kids of what is it. And I don't think it's too early in middle school to start thinking about what is it that I want to do, not only in high school, but after high school? Wouldn't that be a unique approach thing? Mm-hmm. Well, we, ha- we we already have the special schools in Rutherford County, like uh, Central, mm-hmm. and, and, and uh, uh, the city has them, and, mm-hmm. and you have them. Um, and those particular kids, they uh, they have special gifts when it comes to education. I mean, a lot of them, they'll, they'll end up being our engineers and doctors and, and lawyers and, and people like that. They have to have that type of, of background when they go into the universities that are going to continue uh, leading them toward their particular career. But uh, a large amount of our students here in our community, uh, they don't have to have that same educational uh, instruction in, in the high school level. And um, it, 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 it's almost a common sense approach that almost has to be uh, looked into. Ab- absolutely. You know, we do have special programs. We've got Thurman Francis Arts Academy, yeah. uh, K through 8 now. Uh, we've got Central Magnet, it's a phenomenal school. You know, yeah. they're 6th uh, uh, grade through 12. It's one of the top schools absolutely. in the country. Absolutely. You better believe it. Yeah. Uh, we've got, you know, we've got special programs in most of our high schools. We've got a, uh, um, we've got a Cambridge program. At Smyrna High School, we mm-hmm. have a international baccalaureate program. At uh, Oakland High School, we've got a, um, a, a, a collegiate academy. At uh, Blackman High School, mm-hmm. you know, and we've got a lot of great uh, career and technical education programs. We've yeah. got an aviation program at uh, Siegel High School. We have a mechatronics program at both at Oakland High School and Rockville High School. Mm-hmm. I mean, we we've got health uh, service programs at every high school in, in, in uh, our system. You know, those are the kind of things that we got to move move to more. Yeah. Those things that are aligned to opportunities for kids who have aptitudes for those areas. Mm-hmm. And, I, and I go back to the same thing, too. we always going to need auto mechanics. We're going to need carpenters. We're going to need plumbers. We're going to need welders. Mm-hmm. You know, our, uh, our, what I would like to see us do is, is, is start early. And, and we are uh, venturing out that into the middle schools, mm-hmm. starting early, providing them this vision 
of what is it I want to do, you know, and, yeah. and, and I think what is happening, uh, and, and, and let me, I think you hit the nail right on the head. Universities, there, there's a need for college and universities. Yeah. What we don't want is every child that graduates from our high schools to go into a university not knowing what it is they yeah. want to do. And because it's too expensive, you know, it, it, for that. And uh, we want them to be productive. So getting back to our mission statement, how do we empower them? How do we empower them to grasp tomorrow's opportunities? First and foremost, they have to understand what are the opportunities mm-hmm. and what is it that I have a aptitude and interest for, you yeah. know? So that way that we can kind of channel them. Now, uh, a, a lot of times that can be, that can be overwhelming, yeah. In a large high school, let's be honest, that can be overwhelming. Yeah. When you got a graduating class, you may have 600 in your graduating class. Mm-hmm. That's overwhelming. Uh, but I think there's some things that we can do early to make this, this process a little less challenging. We've run out of time, Bill. I could sit here Imagine and talk that. To you. I could talk to you for, for <laughs> 10 hours in a row. Well, but I, thank you very much. All right, thank you. From NHC's Adams Place, home of premier senior living on Memorial Boulevard, it's The Truman Show on News Radio WGNS, FM 100.5 and 101.9, AM 1450, and streaming at WGNSRadio.com.